Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. That was very nice. I love you too, Jennifer. Can you grab that for me, Esteban? Is that okay? Good to see you. You can keep going just for like two seconds, Joel. Is that good? Hey, can you give it up for Joel? Come on, bring it with the spirit keys. There you go. There you go, buddy. Can you go a little harder than that? That was quite, there you, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, if you got your Bible today, we're going to start with James chapter 1, verse 2 today. You decided to be in church? Amen. James chapter 1, verse 2. Here's what the Bible says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I had a little tongue twister right there. Produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to talk a little bit about joy today. If you're taking notes, you can bring out your phone on your notes app or whatever you want. I, I, I still, still see some people taking paper notes. Dory over there taking paper. Give it up for Dory. Come on in the corner. Paper notes. Shelby's got her notebook too. That's awesome. Uh, you can title this message, Joy to the World. <laughs> Joy to the World. Let's pray and let's get into the Bible today. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're grateful to be here today. I pray that you would speak to us in a powerful way today as we lean in and listen to your word. It's not the words of man that can change a heart and a life. It's the word of the Lord. It's the word of God. So God, please speak to us today. Thank you for your presence here in this place. God, we trust you. And we love you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, come on, everybody say a big amen. Put your hands together one more time for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Um, have you ever experienced a moment in your life of pure joy? I, I love what it says in James chapter 1. It says, it says, talks about pure joy. Like undefiled joy. Have you ever had that moment where you just experienced like such a joyous moment and you were just like, ah. I feel like that's what joy feels like, right? It's like a, a breath in, like, ah, you know? And uh, I think Christmas time is a great time to talk about joy because I can remember one of the moments I experienced pure joy. My mom's here today, okay? And my mom goes Christmas crazy. It looks like uh, it, it looks like uh, the, the land of Narnia in our house at Christmas time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's trees. There's literal carolers. like, <laughs> And they look like my mom and dad. <laughs> it was the same when I was a kid. We'd spend all this time. It was like December 1st was a big deal. You decorate the house, and we had this big tree, and you put the decorations on, and my mom's got, I swear, the whole forest is in my house. You know what I mean? You walk in, you don't know if you're outside or inside. You're basically camping every night. <laughs> and, uh, and Christmas was a big deal. The, the, tr- the presents would be under the tree, you know, and there's so much anticipation. And I remember, I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been eight or nine years old. And I really wanted a Super Nintendo. Come on, somebody. The Super Nintendo. I was talking about, to Schwab about Super Metroid the other day. They've got all these new things. I'm trying to introduce my kids to how awesome my childhood was because their childhood kind of sucks. 
We didn't have phones. You know what I'm talking about? You had the one on, on the wall with the cord. And you had to memorize all the numbers. That We literally did an exercise in kindergarten where for a whole day we just memorized people's phone numbers so we wouldn't die, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'll never forget this morning. I, I'm, I'm there Christmas morning. There's a, a gift it looks like a Super Nintendo. I'm excited. And, I, you know, my, my parents would let me go first. It was like, you know, someone had to go first, and they're teaching us how to be patient. And we're like, being patient? I can't be patient any longer. And I rip open the wrapping from this gift, and it's a Super Nintendo. And I will never forget, there, something happened to my body. <laughs> Have you ever had this moment? You're just a kid, you're so excited. And I just ran to the back door, and I opened it up, and I was like, I got it! Ah! I wanted the whole neighborhood to know. It's just, yeah! Pure joy. And it was so cool because I've got four kids now, and uh, we get to kind of recreate these moments. That's one cool thing about being a parent is you get to recreate these awesome moments that you experienced when you were a kid. And, like, like guys, just wait. You get to build Lego again. Anything you like to do, you get to do it again. And my wife is always, is that for you or is that, is that for him or is it for you, Kobe? She's always saying that. I'm like, it's for me. Shut up. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, but, but you get to do it again. And I, we, we had uh, the Christmas of the Nintendo Switch two years ago, okay? It was under the tree and I got to relive my young, uh, Jacob opening up his present. You know what he did? He did the exact same thing. He ran outside. He went, I got it. <gasps> Pure joy. I, I, I want to ask this question to us today. Okay. How does God get joy to the world? How does God get joy to the world? I don't know if you've been paying attention, but there's some crazy stuff going on on planet Earth right now. And there's polarization, and there's tough times, and, and, and there's f- desperate phone calls. And, and as a pastor, I've been on the other end of so many different opinions and conversations with people who are hurting, who are confused, who are frustrated. And, and today, I want to talk a little bit about how God gets joy to the world in the midst of the tough times that we're facing. How does God get joy to the world? Is it through generosity? Is it, is it that giving, like me receiving something from mom and dad or, or my boys and, and my daughter receiving something from me? Is that what we're living for? Is that how we produce joy? If we would just increase our generosity, would the world have more joy? Maybe. Or what about this? I've been watching some Christmas movies recently. Uh, Tonight we're going to watch Elf, okay? And and yesterday we watched Christmas Chronicles. Have you seen that new one? Come on, it's so good. you got to watch it on Netflix. But there's this moment that happens in every Christmas movie. You know when Santa's flying his sleigh and he's like, Christmas spirit's really low, kids. I don't think it's going to fly. And then they're like crashing. They're they're tapping the meter. It's like 1% of Christmas spirit, you know? And then what happens? They have to start singing. Right? And they're like, la 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 la. Come on, everybody. And it's like the old grouchy guys, like, deck the halls with Bowser. And then Christmas, and they're like, we believe. You know, and then da na 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 da na 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 na. And Santa Claus's sleigh starts flying again, and there's joy. So is it, is that what it is? Is it belief? If I would just believe more. Would I get more joy in my life? And Santa's sleigh would fly again. 
Is, 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 is that how we get joy to the world? Is that how God gets joy to the world? If we would just believe more. So we need to believe harder. That's what we need to do. Or what about this? Have you ever heard that song, Joy to the World, but the weird one? Joy to the world. Oh, the boys and girls. You know that one? Joy to the visions. And what are we talking about? <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. What? Helped him drink his wine. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that how we get joy to the world? By, by just partying. Like, obviously, they had had too much to drink when they wrote that one. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what a lot of us think, that we bring joy to the world just by partying and having fun and freedom and peace. And then we'll finally have joy. <gasps> joy to the world. Is that how we get joy? James in the Bible is so great because he's like, he, I, I've, I've heard him called uh, the blue-collar scholar of the New Testament. He was Jesus' brother. So his dad was a carpenter. And, and, and he didn't believe in Jesus until after Jesus died and rose again. Then he put his faith in Jesus because he saw the divinity of Jesus. And he wrote this amazing book called James. And it's almost like the book of Proverbs in the New Testament. It's like a wisdom chronicle that he gives us, and it's kind of all over the place, and it's kind of like hard to hear. And I want to give us some hard to hear, straight up knowledge from God's word about joy today, because James actually clarifies how God gets joy to the world. Let's read it again. James 1, verse 2. This is so good. Throw it up there. Consider it <gasps> pure joy. My brothers and sisters, watch this. When you face Trials of many kinds. I want to encourage you today, church, that the way that God gets joy to the world, the vehicle that God uses to drive his joy from heaven to earth is not just generosity. It's not just belief. And it's not just peace and party time and carefree living. The vehicle that God uses to get joy to your life and through you get joy to the world is trials of many kinds. Can I get a big shout of praise? Isn't that crazy? Like every time I read this, I'm like, are you kidding me, James? The, uh, so consider it pure joy on the worst day of your life. What? How do you do that? And so today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask James some questions because I've got some questions about that. Listen, we're talking about God's word here. God is trying to download some wisdom for you during this crazy, chaotic time on planet Earth and show you the true way to get joy so we don't get counterfeit joy, so we don't get joy by some other means, so we can actually be strong, standing on a firm foundation of who Jesus really is, what God wants for our life, the way that he gets good things into our world. That's what God wants to speak to us today. How does God get joy to the world? I want to encourage you, church. It's through trials of many kinds. And I've got some questions for James. Here's question number one. You can write this down. All my points are questions today that I was asking James while I was reading this. Here's the first, this is a good question. What is joy? 
Isn't it funny how we just throw words around? We don't even really know what they are. It's like joy. Ah! It's like, what is it? Right? We need a biblical definition of what joy is. I'm going to surprise you with an illustration, okay? Um, have you ever been surprised before? Like, <laughs> you know how there's some people, they love surprise parties? Like, don't tell me. Or they, they, they don't want to know what their Christmas present is because it's all about the surprise on Christmas morning. And then some people, they just, they're constantly looking in the house for what it is. They hate the surprise, right? That's my son, Jacob. He does not want any surprises. He's going to find it. You know what I'm saying? I'll find him in some weird place in the house. What are you doing in here? Nothing. Nothing. I, I, we, I, I play this joke on my, my kids. My wife, she's really sensitive to, like, loud noises, and I just love surprising her. <laughs> I do this to my kids, too. I'll see them, like, in La La Land. They're playing. You know how kids just play? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're just, like, not there. And I'm like, ah! Oh, Dad! You know, they, they, they get back, like, I almost died there. They'll just jump back. Nothing brings me more joy than surprising my kids. You know, my wife, she'll just be doing the dinner, and I'll be like, God, ah! like, ah, why do you do that? You know, I peed a little. You know, it's like she just gets, I love, I love surprising my kids. Well, one day, my kids wanted to surprise me. So they're like, let's pretend there's like a bad guy that's coming to the house, and, 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 and like, let's mess up the house a little bit and, and leave it weird, and then we'll all hide, and, and Jenna was in on it, and they're all hiding in one of the kids' rooms in the back of the house, and I walk in the house, and I realized there's been a disturbance, so I just grabbed like a bat, and I just start walking around my house like this, like, hello, turning lights on and off. I got into full, like, you know what, like dad mode, you know what I'm saying? I walk around my house, and I go in my room, and they're like, surprise. I'm like, I'm so funny, kids. Surprise. See, see the, the word joy in, in the Greek is the word kara, C-H-A-R-A. Okay, we're going to do some etymology today, okay? It's the word kara. It's the root of the word grace. The word grace in the Greek is the word charis. And grace, this is what it literally means. It's, it's God's leaning into your life even though you don't deserve it. It's the grace of God. Literally, the, the definition you'll find often is unmerited favor. In other words, you can't earn God's goodness in your life. You can't be good enough for God to love you. We're never good enough because we're not perfect. Only Jesus was good enough. That's why by grace he gave his life on the cross that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. See, friend, it's not by your good works that you're saved. Amen? Amen. It's by the grace of God, the unearned favor of God. Favor is just you're his favorite. That's what it means. It's, you didn't earn it, and you're God's favorite. And you're like, I'm his favorite. Well, everybody's his favorite who loves him, okay? God's got lots of favorites. All my kids are my favorite kids, okay? That's God. His grace is his unearned leaning into your life. By grace you're saved. By grace we live. By grace we're empowered. We can't earn it. It's the call of God. It's the, it's the hand of God on your life. See, when, when we're uh, uh, teaching you to press into worship, it's because we know God loves you. We know his grace is for you. When, when we're teaching you how to give and when we're teaching you how to read your word, we know that there's a grace that comes on your life, an unearned favor from God when you lean into God. And as we lean into God, the Bible says that God leans in to us. It's the grace of God. See, and joy 
The root of it is this great word grace, but it changes it a little bit. Listen, this is literally the biblical definition of joy. Joy is grace recognized. That's it. It's when you recognize that this wasn't you, God is in this place. God's hand is on your life. God loves me. God's for me. God died for me. An even better translation, I would argue, is surprise grace. Boo! Grace! I didn't think I had grace, but all of a sudden, I was surprised that grace was waiting for me there. See, here's a great definition of biblical joy. This is how God gives joy to the world. He surprises you with his favor and with his grace. See, see, when you face trials of many kinds, confusing times in your life, challenging times in life, things you wish would have never happened to you, things you thought would never happen to you, things you thought would never happen to your business, your friends, your family, your finance, we all go through storms in life. Joy is when in the middle of the trial, we're surprised because grace was waiting for me there. See, joy is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, even in the darkest valley. See, see, grace and joy is when Paul says, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. That's joy. He says, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. That's grace. That's joy. He says, I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. The Bible says that the weeping may endure. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching today. It's been a while. Let's go, church. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning because when you wake up in the morning, his grace is new. His presence is new. And when you recognize the grace of God, you have joy. That's why when we go through trials of many kinds, we can consider it an opportunity for pure joy. Joy that's not mixed with all that other stuff. Joy that exists even when there's nothing happy in your life happening. Because it's not about what's happening. It's that God is still leaning into you in the valley of the shadow of death. That's joy. That's how God gets joy to the world. But I still got some more questions. Number two, at what level is God involved in this trial? See, here, here, here's where we start getting into questions about the will of God. Did you do this to me, Lord? It's hard to have joy when you keep doing this to me, God. You're not doing it to Frank. Why, does it, why do I still struggle with this? Must be God's will. Why is this happening to the world? We must have done something really bad. It's God's will. Here's my question right now in the middle of this uh, exegesis of the scripture is, what is God's will? How do we determine that? I'm in a season right now where I'm writing my will this month. I got an appointment with Harinder Dale, my notary. 
we've been emailing, and I gotta get my will done. And he's been asking me some questions. See, a, a will is a powerful legal document. And what it does is it tells the world and the courts what you want to happen with your family and your assets after you die. And so I write my will. I have some things that I want when I'm not here anymore. I have some things that I want for my kids. I have some things I want for the people in my world. I have some things that I want for my church. And I've got to make sure that it's written in a document so that somebody, they call, they give them the power of attorney. It's the executor of your estate. And there's someone that's still living that you appoint to execute your will on planet Earth. I feel like I could do a whole message on that. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, and see, see so, so the, the will is a powerful document because what happens is what you want on Earth. Here's my question. Is, is God's will done perfectly on planet Earth? It's Bible school time. Is God's will done perfectly on planet Earth? Yes or no? Some say yes, some say no. Okay? I, I want to I theologically give you some comfort here. There's only one place where God's will is done perfectly right now, and it's called heaven. God's will is not performed perfectly on earth. That's why Jesus says, Lord God, your will be done on earth as it already is being done in heaven. And see, the job of Jesus, come on somebody, he was the executor of the estate. And he came down to execute perfectly the will of God here on earth. That was Jesus' job. And now he ascended to heaven. He says, I'm going to give you something even better. His name is the Holy Spirit. I was with you. He'll be in you. And on the inside of us, we have some power of eternity here on planet earth. And we can read the will of God and make earth look a little bit more like heaven because of the way that we perform God's will here on earth. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. See, God's will is not done perfectly here on earth. God is still sovereign, even in the tension of things happening on earth that God didn't want to happen, God doesn't smile about. We live in a broken world where we have an enemy. His name is the devil, and he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. And there is a battle on planet Earth, God's will versus the enemy's will. And because of the nature of our world and the sinful, fallen nature of it, God's will is not executed perfectly on planet Earth. But our job is to bring the joy. Our job is to bring the peace. Our job is to preach God's word. Our job is to love Jesus. And as we love Jesus and as we are children of the Lord, and as we learn more about God, we see more of God's will and we start to answer Jesus' prayer. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will is not done perfectly on planet earth. But there's a clause in his will. I love this. Romans 8.28. Let's get it on the screen. Look how good God is. It says, and we know... That in all things, see, this is a, a verse about the sovereignty of God. That even in things that don't line up with my will on earth, in all things, watch, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. 
hey, hey, friend, I just wanna encourage you, even though that there's some stuff in your life that doesn't look a lot like God's will, when you love God, he's working it together for your good. Yeah. See, God didn't cause your trial. God didn't cause that thing to happen to you that ruined your life. Probably. <laughs> Maybe there's one or two things that God put in your way that are good things, but he didn't put any bad things in your life. Let me say that one. God didn't put the bad thing. God's not bad. He's good. Good comes out of God. But even when bad happens in your life, God can still work it for good in your life, and you can have joy. How does God get joy to the world? He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And let me tell you, friend, there's no greater witness to God when somebody sees your joy in the middle of the trial. What, what's going on with your life? You're still moving forward. You're still okay. I know we're crying about it. I know it's tough. You've had bad days, but there's something about your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength in the middle of the trial. Don't let the world poison and embitter your heart in these trying times. Receive grace from God and be surprised as in the middle of the greatest trial of your life, God begins to work it together for your good and the good of those in your life. That's what the church is meant to be, and we're going to see God's will go forward on planet Earth. Can I get a big amen? Come on, you can put your hands together today and celebrate the God that works good things in bad situations. That's who my God is. That's what my God does. So joy is the surprise grace of God. And when it comes to your trial, God might not have caused it, but he will work it together for your good because in the middle of your trial, he's gonna surprise you with grace. Point number three, and then I'm gonna close. It's a short one today, guys. It's Christmas time. I just wanted to hammer you with this word, and then we're going to get out of here. <laughs> what do I do in the trial? You can come up, Joel. That, that, that's, that's, a great, that's a great question. What do I do in the trial I'm going through? What do I do in the trial to receive this joy? It's a great word, Pastor Kobe, but my life is hell right now, and I don't know what to do. I want to read these scriptures just one more time, because I think James was wise enough to give us some coaching, not only on technically what's happening when you receive joy, but on practically what you can do about it. James 1, verse 2 to 4, one more time. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That word, that word, that's a crazy word, perseverance. In different translations, you'll, you'll notice. It'll say a different word. You're reading your Bible, you says, mine doesn't say that. Sometimes it says patience. But this is, this is the most accurate one. Uh, the, the ESV says endurance. Endurance. Oh, sorry, there's that one too. That's not the most accurate one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Steadfastness. Steadfast. That's the word. See, the, the, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, patience, perseverance. So let steadfastness finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What well, one translation says, perfect, 
and complete, lacking nothing. James again explains in verse 12. Go to verse 12. It says, blessed. That word blessed means happy. It's just happy. Happy is the man who remains, what is it? Steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. How does God get joy to the world? By producing steadfastness in you. My, my kids memorized this uh, scripture years ago in their Sunday school class, and they did a little song. It, it went like this. You ready? Blessed is the man who's patient under trial. 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 For he will pass the test and get the crown of life. Get the crown of life. Get the crown of life. Man, that was an annoying scripture memorization week. I'm in the car driving, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I just see patient under trial. Patient under trial. And I'm totally losing my patience. Will you stop it? Please, I get it. God, when are you coming back, Lord? Now, please. Patient under trial. Patient. I remember one time, literally, I'm driving, eh, driving, and uh, someone, someone gets in front of me. I'm bing, bing, hey, buddy, you know, like road rage. I look back, patient under trial. <laughs> patient, I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. Will you just give me this one, Lord? Patient under trial. For he will pass the test and get the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That word steadfast is an incredible Greek word. I actually wrote out the definition. It says, the characteristic of a man or a woman who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and loyalty to the faith, even through greatest trial and suffering. Hey, what if during this crazy time on planet Earth, where, where there's some stuff that can't come through us like it used to before because of some sort of restriction or whatever it is, God's not trying to get stuff through you, but he's trying to do something in you. Maybe he's trying to produce steadfastness in his church right now. Because if he can do that, through trials of many kinds that he didn't intend to cause or, or, or do in your life, but, but he can use them to do something that makes you perfect and complete, needing nothing. Maybe his church would be able to do some crazy stuff on planet Earth when steadfastness is produced in its heart. And that's why it's an opportunity for joy. Because when we face trials of many kinds and we just choose to stand, be steadfast, not back down on our love for Jesus, not hate them just because they're different from us, not hate them because they're opinion one way or another, but we're like Jesus right down the middle seeing through all this stuff that doesn't matter in heaven, and we're steadfast. Maybe the joy that would come in our church would be something the world would see and mean I need that in my life. 
How are they still together? How are they still unified? How do they still love the Lord so much? How are they still so cool? In the middle of all this stuff, because God wants to make you steadfast in this season. It's an outward patience. That's steadfast. See, it's not inward patience. It's not just waiting. It's waiting with outward strength, saying, I'm never backing down. I love Jesus. There's nothing that you can do to me to make me stop confessing that he is Lord, that he's, he's the love of my life, and, and he can reach you, and he can serve you, whatever you believe, wherever you've come from, what color you are, what country you're from, what your beliefs are. doesn't matter. Jesus loves you, and his, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen? It's the power of God to salvation. Um, can I tell you about the worst day of my life? I remember... I always tell stories about my son Judah because those moments that we had when he was born were some of the most formative of my life. And uh, if you don't know, my son Judah was a micro preemie. When he was born, he was only one pound. He came 100 days early. We were fighting for his life in the hospital for six months when he was first born. And, and there was a season where he was getting better and better and better and better in the hospital. And there was so much momentum. And we were so excited. We're like, he's going to come home. Maybe he'll be home for Christmas. This is going to be amazing. And the doctors and nurses said, hey, why don't you guys go on a getaway to Whistler because it's about to get busy when Judah comes home. We've got it here at the hospital. I mean, Judah were like, yes, we just needed it. It was like a breath of fresh air. We got up there to Whistler, and we're like, joy to the world. You know, we're just doing that song, you know. We're partying. We're having fun. All of a sudden, we get a call. Judah's crashing. Something has happened. We want to wait for you to get here but we can't. He needs to go in an ambulance to Children's Hospital now, and we don't know if he's going to make it there. It was pouring rain. That's the fastest I ever drove on the Sea to Sky. I'm not going to lie. I should have gotten a ticket. Jenna was driving. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> and when we got there, he was just so sick. They were poking holes in his body, blood, all this. It was just not good. And the doctor literally looked at us. He said, this is the hardest battle he'll have to face. And it was like so good to like crash in a second. And I'll never forget, an aside, I was lying on the floor. It was the night that President Trump was getting elected back. Uh, and, and, he was getting, and I was lying on the floor and everyone was arguing in the waiting room. Ah, rah, 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 ah, rah, 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 my opinion, your opinion sucks. You know, like they're all arguing. And in that moment, I didn't care about their stupid opinions. Cared about my son. I don't care about the election. My son is dying. I needed God to help me. Guys, sometimes we get so caught up in all this stuff. There's people who are hurting and dying, and they need Jesus. That's what they need. They need the presence of God. They need steadfastness. And in that moment, when I was just down and there's stuff going on, and it was a fog. I'm just lying on the floor just trying to get a moment's rest. I was surprised. Because grace was waiting for me there. That's joy. That on the worst moment of your life, friends, you can get through it. Because grace will be waiting for you there. You don't have to live in fear. You're not ready for it yet. 
But when you get there, God's going before you. And grace is waiting for you there. So we're not going to fake it. This is not a fake smile. This is a smile of faith because God is producing steadfastness in me. And I know that no matter what we face as a church, I know that no matter what you face in your life, that if you will lean on the Lord, you'll be surprised when you get there because grace will be waiting for you. Can I pray for you today? From the front to the back, can we just bow our heads, close our eyes? And this is a prayer that I want to pray today. I want to pray that no matter what you're facing today, maybe take that thing you're facing, take that thing that you're focused on, take that thing that you feel may, might be even robbing your joy. And right now in your heart, I want you to just give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, here it is. I give it to you. And I really believe that in the middle of that situation, as you choose to say, Lord, I love you more than I love this. I love you even though I'm confused. I love you in this challenge that God is gonna surprise you with grace. And Lord God, we lift up your church to you right now. We lay our burdens on you. We lay our trial on you. God, and we're considering it an opportunity for pure joy right now because we know that you desire to surprise us with the strength and the grace to get through it. God, produce steadfastness in our hearts right now in Jesus' name that no suffering, no challenge, no trial could ever take us away from our love, our trust, and our hope in you. And I pray every single person in this room and hearing my voice on the podcast would begin to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see as they put their hope in you. And with everybody's eyes remaining closed, if you're here today, you know it and God knows it. You're just far from him right now. And you need to say yes to Jesus. Um, you know, there's always two groups of people. There's those of us who maybe have fallen away in our heart. And we don't love the Lord like we used to. And we've grown cold in our relationship. I want to remind that group of people, listen, Jesus loves you. There's a story in Luke 15 that talks about the prodigal son who ran away from the Lord and God was waiting with open arms. God's always waiting for us to return to him. That's what repentance means. It's simply returning to God. And, and there's another group of people, and that's maybe you've just never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you're not a believer today. Maybe you've never made that commitment in your heart. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And I want to tell you, friend, it's just simply saying yes to Jesus. If you say yes to Jesus in your heart and in your life, God saves you. And you, you can know that you know that you know that you know that heaven's your home and that Jesus is your Lord and that you're part of the family of God. So if you're in one of those two groups, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. It's one of the most powerful, profound times in our service, and every single week, people are coming back to God. And if that's you, with your eyes closed all over, when I count to three, just put up your hands and say, Pastor Kobe, that's me, so I know who I'm praying for. And what you're doing by raising your hands, you're just simply saying yes to Jesus. So if that's you, one, two, three. Is there anybody that I'm praying for today? I see that hand, guys. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor Kobe, that's me. Please pray with me today. I need to say yes to Jesus. 
I need to come back to God. Amen. Amen. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if that's you, if you're coming back to the Lord, simply pray it with all of your heart to God right now. Look at Jesus in your heart. God hears the thoughts and intents of your heart. He's going to hear you pray this right now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you, God, for loving me. God, I believe that you died for my sins on that cross 2,000 years ago and that you rose from death so that on the last day I'll rise with you and I'll live with you forever. Help me to love you for the rest of my life. God, please surprise me with your grace. Give me the wisdom to recognize your grace in my life every single day. I want to live for you forever. Thank you that I'm saved and heaven is my home. In Jesus' mighty name, come on. Can we all say amen? Can we put our hands together for people coming back to God today? Amen. Well, we love you so much, everybody. Uh, I'm letting you out a little early today. Is that okay with you? Um, anybody hungry? You want some lunch today? Come on. Anybody going to the Cactus Club? Okay. Yeah, let's go. It's where Christians go on Sundays, the Cactus Club. It's anointed by God. Um, it used to be Swiss Chalet when I was a kid. And my dad called it the Chicken Chalet. Okay. And we'd go there after church. Um, but hey, want to say that we love you. We're praying for you. Next week is a big week. Um, it is our, uh, our uh, year-end offering that we do, our Heart for the House offering. I want to challenge and encourage everybody here today to please pray and ask God, beg God, God, how do you want me to be generous today? We need to put a stake in the ground every year to say that we love God, and, and it empowers us to do so much for him. So I just want to challenge every single person here, please pray, ask God what you should give, and come with that offering next week uh, prepared uh, it's going to be an amazing service, and uh, Pastor Justin will be back. It's going to be so great. Um, and tonight we have our prayer night. Um, I don't know about you, but I just really feel like the world needs some prayer right now. Our church needs some prayer. Our brothers and sisters need some prayer. And so we just want to uh, invite you to join us at 6 p.m. We'll be right back here. Isn't it so wonderful that we have this space that we can do stuff at? I remember Sundays we had to rent like seven venues just to do a prayer night. It costs like $48,000, you know what I'm saying? It's like, praise God. Um, so... Um, thank God for uh, tonight. So come back at 6. We'll, we'll be praying here, and you're all welcome to come. And then we'll also be doing that on Instagram Live. So if you follow Vivid Church, you can just see that there. And uh, so we love you. So uh, next week, Heart for the House. Tonight, prayer. This afternoon, Cactus Club. <laughs> Have a great Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week. Love you. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.